I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's there. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal versus Wolverhampton Wanderers, Sunday, November the 29th, 2020. Kickoff, 7.15. The contents. The manager, Michaela Tater. The captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Voice of Arsenal. Player feature, Danny Ceballos. Match action. Leeds versus Arsenal. Convertible currency. Community. Arsenal Academy. Arsenal Women, 14 times. Forward Arsenal, My Story. Visitors, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Match Action, Arsenal vs Aston Villa. My Arsenal and Teams. Manager's Notes, Mikel Arteta. I was really pleased with the performance and the personality that everybody showed on the pitch. It was great for Flo Balogun, especially. He really deserved his goal. He worked really hard and he handled the speculation around him in a mature way. Reese Nielsen has also made some very big steps in the past month or so. He wants to take on players. He's unpredictable and I love that. Sort of player on the wings. He can improve defensively, but he's much more mature player this season. It was a big objective of ours to qualify for the group stage as quickly as possible and now we are giving full attention to the Premier League again. But we know we've still got a long way from where we need to be. This is part of the process. We understand the challenges we have. At this club it's important to win every game as soon as possible. So far we have played 16 games in all competitions and all four of the defeats have been in the Premier League. So it's a little bit imbalanced. There are a lot of things to do, short term and medium term. We have seen a lot of changes, not only on the pitch, but structurally as a club as well. It's been difficult, it's been challenging times in the last three to four months. We have to settle and everybody has to realise where we are now. But I see the future is really bright and I'm a really positive person and I tend to learn more when things don't go well and when we have defeats. We have to understand why they happen, but be really critical first, with all with myself. 
and try to understand the players, try and understand them better and give them more solutions to win. You cannot build something new from something that has been damaged and hurt badly. When I was at the Emirates 12 months ago, you could see a split between our own fans and the team. I was shocked. But you have to rebuild that. To do that first, you have to build the foundations. You have to prioritise the process when you start and where you're going to go and what you're going to do with it. You need to do some pieces. You need to fill it up in there and you need to start to create a puzzle. You need to try and manage it because there will be bad moments and you don't want to break it. All the time you have to be very alert because it takes very little to break what you are building. On top of that, we are a very unusual circumstances. We have been playing without any fans for nearly a whole year and of course, that affects the players. For example, with the lockdown, you win at Old Trafford, you feel excited, your adrenaline is high, you go home, you want to celebrate, but you just go home. Some of the players live by themselves, sit on the sofa and that's it, to find a purpose and say, okay, I work hard for this moment, I want to enjoy it, I want to have people around me, but you have nothing, so it's a completely different life. In our case, when you try and build a new project, you see to engage with the fans and the team. They have to see live what the team is transmitting. It's completely different on the TV. You're not able to do that without creating the chemistry between players and the fans. For them to believe, for them to see live what we are trying to do. It is complicated, but we need the players to have the feel, the wow. These guys are really behind us. And they are liking what we are trying to do. I feel more motivated, more engaged. I want to participate and we are lacking that. We obviously need to score some more goals to be the top team we want to be as soon as possible. It's not due to lack of attacking players because we have the attacking players on the pitch all the time. But we need to make decisions earlier. Better. We have to be more ruthless. But it's more difficult thing in football and sometimes we go through these patches. I have to help the players overcome it as quickly as possible. We played Alba through the middle at Leeds. In some moments, it worked really well. We had a patch in the first half where we were really good, really efficient. We pressed high, we created some, we created some good opportunities. And we made it really hard for them. There was a spell for about 15 to 20 minutes of the first half where we started to give the ball away. We did not control certain space against them and they suffocated us. They do it against every team in the Premier League. It's impossible to dominate that team for 90 minutes. And then in the second half, when you hope that we were going to get things adjusted, we go down to 10 men. And then obviously, it's a mountain to climb. In the circumstances, it wasn't a bad point after having 10 men for nearly half the game. I'm really happy with the point, but you know the challenge that we faced. The way we reacted to it, the resilience that we showed and the effort that all the players put to overcome their advantage. It was phenomenal. At the end, we had to take a point because, credit to Leeds, they had the chances to score. I've said what I want to say on Nico's red card. It was unacceptable, but we will move on. His response has been what we wanted and you saw that on Thursday as well. Wolves gave us a huge challenge at home. For me, it was one of the most consistent teams in the league who have recruited in an intelligent way in the past and over the last few years. They are a solid team and always hard to beat. We need to build on our positives and play to our strengths. If we can do that, we can start building some momentum again. Thanks for your support. (laughs) 
Captain's Notes Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang I enjoyed watching the team on Thursday. We scored some really good goals and it's given everybody a lift again after our defeat last weekend. It was clearly a frustrating match against Leeds for some different reasons. In the end, we had to take a point and look at the positives. Again, we looked solid and defended really well as a team, as we have been doing this season. We know we need more goals, but it is really, really tough to have many chances when you play 10 against 11. I played through the middle more against Leeds, and I know over the past week there has been a lot of talk about me playing on the left or playing in the middle. All I want to say is that I can play everywhere. I don't mind really. Everyone knows where I prefer to play, but this doesn't matter because I prefer to have more than just one option where I can play. That's because I want to help the team, but also because I want to learn as well. You learn every day, whether you are young or older, and I'm still learning and truthfully I feel good everywhere. I believe it can develop your game if you play in different positions. That's what's happened to me because your movements are different if you play on the left, for example. There you have to sometimes play more in the pocket to try to connect with the midfield players. It's different to the striker position, as a number nine. It's completely different. Sometimes you have to be wide. But when you are a striker, you mainly stay more central, so that's the main difference. But I've learned a lot of things since I've been playing on the left side. It also gives me opportunities in games because a lot of defences are attracted by the number nine. Laka and Eddie are doing a great job there, and so they leave space for us sometimes to come and run in behind the defence. So it's helped me, and I'm still learning, as I said, as a left winger. It's all part of learning and developing as a team, and that's what we are doing. It's been nearly a year now since Mikel Arteta took over as manager, and when you look back on the 12 months, I think we have progressed a lot as a team. Last year, we were at the point that we were doing... And we have to say the truth, we were doing badly. But maybe it wasn't about managers, but about the players. The way we played and the way we behaved on the pitch. I think the behaviours were not so good, and he changed that. The first thing he said when he came in charge was, you have to change your behaviours, you have to help each other and fight for each other. I think we've made a lot of progress in such a short time. That's why everyone believes this is the way to follow. As you know, Mikel talks about trusting the process, and we have to keep doing that, because as I said, in a short period he has changed so many things. So imagine if you give him more time what he can achieve. As captain and manager we have a close relationship. He gives me a lot of confidence, but also a lot of responsibilities. That's important if you want to be solid in your mind and in your game. You have to accept these responsibilities, and he's told me a lot of times. You have to take the leadership when we play games. That's why I say I'm still learning, because this is something new for me in my career. I'm really happy to learn under him though, and it's a real pleasure to be the captain of this team. I'm still learning as a senior player, and it was great to see lads at the other end of their journeys doing so well on Thursday. And what a moment for Falarin Balogun. Your first goal is such an incredible feeling, he'll never forget that. There are many more to come from him too, believe me. It was brilliant for Reese too, who scored like a striker and I was so pleased for Nico. He had a difficult afternoon at Leeds and bounced back in the best possible way.
with a brilliant goal and a fantastic performance. Today we are playing Wolves, who are a team with a strong identity, and you always know what you are going to face when you play them. They are doing very well again this season. They have a lot of Portuguese people at the club. They have a strong concept. That's important for teams, and we are building our own concept at Arsenal. Maybe it's a little bit different, but it's the same spirit. We are going in our own way. Everyone knows the way we have to follow, so I think it's a great example. With everybody behind us, we know we can achieve big things together. Thanks for your support, and come on you Gunners! Voice of Arsenal Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs Following the death of Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, Arsenal Football Club would like to extend sincere condolences to his family, friends and the Jewish community. The former chief rabbi was an Arsenal supporter and frequent attendee at Highbury and later Emirates Stadium. In fact, on the news that he had been installed as chief rabbi in 1991, Newly elected Archbishop of Canterbury and fellow Arsenal fan George Carey invited him to a first ecumenical meeting in a box at Highbury for an infamous game against Manchester United, which the Gunners lost 6-2. The next day, a national newspaper carried a story highlighting those in attendance, saying, Does this finally prove God does not exist? To which the then Chief Rabbi replied in the next day's paper, to the contrary, what it proves is that God exists, it's just that he supports Manchester United. It's a story that Lord Sachs loved to tell about his footballing support and friendship with the Archbishop, a friendship which he used to highlight how Jews and Christians, indeed all religions, could meet in friendship and mutual respect. Thanks for your support, Lord Sachs, and for being, in the words of the Prince of Wales, a light unto this nation. Steve Braddock enters Ground Management Hall of Fame. Congratulations to our head groundsman, Steve Braddock, who enters the Ground Management Association, GMA, Industry Hall of Fame. Steve becomes the second recipient of the award, joining the late Eddie Seward, MBE, who is the former head groundsman at the All England Lawn Tennis Club. Steve has been recognised for his outstanding contribution to sports turf management across professional football, including his innovation and leadership that has helped attract new talent and upskill other ground staff. Steve said, I would have never been able to achieve this without the backing of Arsenal Football Club, John Beattie and Arsene Wenger. They showed incredible belief in all I do, which has enabled me to raise the influence of grounds management and also train and mentor staff in the way I felt right. Of course, I also want to pay tribute to all the past employees, colleagues and suppliers who made my career possible. The yellow ball is back. Last weekend's Premier League fixtures, when we took on Leeds at Elland Road, saw the return of the official high-vis match ball. The yellow ball will now be used throughout the winter. Win, win, win! 
Our calendar providers, Danilo, have given us three of their superb 2021 calendars to give away. It's the perfect way to plot your way through what we hope will be a super successful year for the Gunners. All you have to do to be in with a chance of winning one of these calendars is to tell us the dates of birth of the three calendar cover stars. We'll even give you the dates. You just tell us who was born on each date. June the 5th, June the 18th, September the 5th. Entries to us by Friday, December the 4th by email program at arsenal.co.uk or tweet us to at AFC program. The 2021 calendar is available to buy on Arsenal Direct. Pepe Band Nicolas Pepe is unavailable today as he starts a three-match domestic suspension after being shown a red card in our goalless draw at Leeds last weekend. It is a mandatory three-match ban for violence misconduct, so he will also be banned for next week's North London derby and our home game with Burnley the following weekend. 50 up for Danny Congratulations to Danny Ceballos on reaching his half-century of Arsenal appearances when he came on in Thursday's Europa League match in Norway. The Spanish midfielder, now in the second year of his loan spell from Real Madrid, made his debut under Unai Emery back in August 2019 in a 1-0 win over Newcastle United. He scored two goals so far in his 50 games, including an injury-time winner in last season's FA Cup quarter-final at Sheffield United. The breakdown of his appearances so far is as follows. Premier League 32, Europa League 9, FA Cup 5, League Cup 4. He is one of 19 players in the current squad to make at least 50 appearances. Programme ITK Remember the 2001-2 Champions League's dreaded second group stage? Wolves manager Nuno Espirito Santo certainly does. As Arsenal failed to qualify from their group, Nuno watched his side Deportivo La Coruna qualify as the sub-goalkeeper in both matches against Arsenal, both 2-0 wins for the Spaniards. Arsenal's biggest away league win is often listed as the 7-1 victory against Aston Villa at Villa Park in 1935, when Ted Drake famously scored all seven. But that time, we were only matching the achievement of three years earlier, November 5, 1932, when Arsenal won 7-1 against Wolves at Molyneux, thanks to a hat-trick from David Jack and two each from Cliff Baston and Jack Lambert. For good measure, we beat Wolves 7-0 at Highbury two years later, on December 1st, 1934. Remembering Maradona Arsenal Football Club was saddened to hear of the death earlier this week of Diego Maradona. Maradona's talent was revered by all in the world of football, none more so than by fellow players. On the rare occasions, the Amsterdam tournament in 2005 and at Emirates in 2008, that the Argentinian crossed paths with Arsenal Football Club, the players made a beeline for a photograph with the legend, as you can see in the hard copy. His legacy as one of the greatest players to have played the game will live forever. R.I.P. Diego
Arsenal in environmental first. Arsenal Football Club have become the first Premier League club to sign up to the UN Sports for Climate Action Framework. The UN initiative aims to bring together the global sports community with a commitment to align with the goals of the Paris Agreement and support the ambition to achieve climate neutrality by 2050. The signatories to this initiative, which already include FIFA, the FA and the International Olympic Committee, aim to support these ambitions by adhering to the following five principles. Undertake systematic efforts to promote greater environmental responsibility. Reduce overall climate impact. Educate on climate action. Promote sustainable and responsible consumption and advocate for climate action through communication. In a 2019 study by the BBC and the United Nations-backed Sport Positive Summit, we topped the league table on sustainability among Premier League clubs. One year on, we are proud to build on the work we are already doing in this area and encourage positive climate action to our millions of supporters around the world. Our operations director, Harold Sloman, said... Arsenal is committed to leading the way on sustainability among Premier League clubs and we are proud to be the first club to sign up to the UN Sports for Climate Action Framework. Together with our partners, we've already implemented a number of environmentally friendly practices across the club. This includes becoming the first Premier League club to switch to 100% green electricity since the beginning of our partnership with Octopus Energy in 2016 and a new partnership with aluminium packaging company Ball Corporation, which is designed to help us and our millions of fans around the world reduce our impact on the environment. Lindita Shaferi Salihu Sports for Climate Action lead at UN Climate Change added, We are delighted to welcome Arsenal as the first Premier League club to the UN Sports for Climate Action community as we raise awareness of climate change and make a difference together. David O'Leary on the pod. We are now well into the second series of our podcast series in lockdown and next week's guest is the man who played more times for the club than any other player. David O'Leary. If you've not listened to any of the shows in the series so far, each Tuesday we feature a different player from the club's past for an in-depth interview about their time as a gunner. The interview with O'Leary will be available to download on Tuesday, December the 1st from all the usual podcast providers. Don't forget all our previous shows are also still available. Former league champion Kevin Campbell features on the current episode, while previous interviewees include Nicholas Bentner, Per Metasaka and Alexander Kreb, while Dennis Bergkamp and Jack Wilshire were among those to be interviewed in the first series. In Lockdown is available from your regular podcast provider. Be sure to click subscribe so you automatically receive new episodes straight to your device. RefWatch Today's referee, Michael Oliver, is from Northumberland and has been a Premier League referee since 2010. Last season, Michael was the man in the middle when we drew 1-1 with Wolves at home, won 2-0 at Molyneux in the reverse fixture and lost 2-1 at Tottenham. 
This term, Michael has already officiated at Emirates in our 2-1 win over West Ham. In all, he has refereed eight Premier League games this season, issuing 19 yellow cards and two reds, one of which was in his last fixture at Villa Park when Brighton beat Aston Villa 2-1 and he dismissed Tarek Lamptey. Arsenal remembers Violet Devonish, our beautiful mum, who was a lifelong dedicated Arsenal fan for over 50 years, sadly passed away on October 28, 2020, aged 90 years. We will miss seeing you in our Arsenal colours. Love always, Mick, Karen and Christine. Robert Sharp passed away on August 22, 2020, and is grieved deeply by wife Moira, son Robert, and granddaughter Tabitha. Robert was a North Bank regular and Stroller's biggest fan. R.I.P. Robert. Raymond Locke, 1951 to November 2020. It is with great sadness that lifelong supporter Raymond Locke of St Albans has passed away. Ray regularly attended matches and loved football. Thank you, Arsenal, for bringing much joy to Ray during his life. Player feature. Danny. Danny Sabalas was back at the heart of the Arsenal midfield last Sunday, patrolling the central areas alongside Granit Xhaka. A diligent defensive display, allied to the occasional opportunity to show his attacking flair, proved Danny's worth to Mikel Arteta and the coaching team in a season when he's jostling for position in central midfield with Granite, new signing Thomas Partey, the rejuvenated Mo Elneny and Joe Willock. Now in his second season on loan at Arsenal from Real Madrid, the matchday programme caught up with Danny to discuss life in North London. It feels like there's a lot of competition in midfield at Arsenal this season, Danny. How do you see it? Well, we have the same number of midfielders as last season. There are five of us, if I'm not mistaken. Competition is a good thing in a football team because it means you push each other to raise your game. There are lots of ups and downs over the course of a season, as well as injuries. Regardless of whether you're playing more or less, you need to be 100%. Competition helps to raise the level of the team. How did you feel when the team signed Thomas Partey? On the one hand, he's a great player that will help the team, but on the other hand, he plays in more or less the same position as you. Yes, Thomas plays in a similar position to me, but I wouldn't say it's the same as my position. I'd say he's more of a number six, a defensive midfielder, that he's good with the ball too. Anybody who is brought in to contribute to the team is good news, but I'm relaxed and I know that I'm going to play a lot of minutes for Arsenal and at a good level too. 49. Undefeated. The question is, did Danny make his 50th appearance for Arsenal on Thursday? Premier League. Played 32, goals 0. UEL. Played 8, goals 1. FAC played 5, goals 1. LC played 4, goals 0. Total played 49, goals 2. Perhaps one of the biggest surprises this season has been the form of Mo Elneny. What have you made of him since he returned to the club in the summer? Yeah, Mo is the kind of person that exudes energy. When the team needs a boost, he can provide it. I think all of the midfielders, Mo, Granite, Thomas and myself, are all good players. 
and we all need to be at 100% because the coach has two or three players to decide between in each position. It encourages you to give more and try to make an important contribution to the team. Why do you think the team has been lacking that consistency this season? I don't think it's just this season. I think Arsenal have been in need of some stability for a few years. Our objective remains to fight to be in the top four and get back into the Champions League. And if you look at our last two league games, we've not been consistent enough. When you start out on a season, you need to find consistency. But we've not been able to do that yet. But I'm sure we're going to get to a point where we can win three or four games in a row. We need to keep pushing hard, maintain our positive dynamic and focus on being competitive and hard to beat. Tell us why you were so keen to come back to Arsenal for this season. Well, mainly because after lockdown last season, I played well and was able to help Arsenal win a trophy. A coach had joined who had confidence in me and had got the best out of me. Once training is over, I can't wait for the next day to come. He's a very special coach and he can become one of the best in the world because he sees football on a level that other coaches I've had in the past haven't matched. Having said that, at the end of the day it's the players who play and it's our job to respond to him. I was really keen to come back to this league too because it's a league that I like. Are you really settled in London? Do you have family or friends here with you? Yes, I spend time with my parents, my girlfriend and my little sister. There are Spaniards on the team too. London is the type of place where you can go and hear Spanish being spoken, English being spoken. It's the same for Germans in the team. I'm really pleased with how settled I am in London. You must have been disappointed not to be called up by Spain this time, but pleased to see Hector return to the selection. Yes, I was hoping to go, but I don't think I'd been in my best form. You have to be at 100% in order to get a call up for Spain, and it's never easy to get into the squad. But at the same time, I was just as pleased, if not more so, for Hector to get back into the squad after four years. It wasn't just because another player was injured. If you look at his stats, he's one of the best full-backs in the league. He's worked really hard over the past two years since his injury so I think it was well deserved and just goes to show that hard work pays off. Other Arsenal players also had great experiences during the international break too, like Bukayo Saka playing his first full competitive match for England and Kieran Tierney being part of a momentous night for Scotland. Do you try to follow what players are doing with their countries? To be honest with you, I just love football and I keep tabs on all the Arsenal players. Bukeo was named man of the match in the first game, came on in the second half of the second game, if I remember rightly, and then was one of the key men in the third game. He's very young and has a huge future ahead of him, but everyone at the club, the coaches and the players, have to take good care of him because he's a rough diamond. I was really pleased for Kieran too. I can't remember how many years it's been since Scotland have qualified for a major tournament. 22, Danny but it's very well deserved as he's a very hard-working player. I didn't see the game, but I'm sure winning on penalties was an amazing feeling for him. Plus, it would have brought a lot of joy to the country right now. Looking at Wolves, Nuno Espirito Santo has developed a really strong Premier League team, hasn't he? Well, Nuno has a very well-drilled side that is really recognisable in that 5-3-2 or 5-2-3 formation. They have a really clear style. 
I don't think there are many other teams in the Premier League that are as well drilled as they are. They've started very well this season, and last year they only missed out on the Europa League because we won the FA Cup. If we want to get a good result, we're going to need to be at 100%. Follow me. Follow Danny on Instagram, at DannyFully10. Your compatriot Adama Traore is a danger man. What do you make of him? I've known Adama since we were 16 or 17, when I saw him playing at youth level. Apart from the fact that he's a really intimidating figure in terms of his physique, I think he's really improved on a technical level, and in terms of cutting inside or going wide. Plus he scores goals too. I think he's a very special player that any coach in the world would love to have in their team. Another key player for Wolves is Jao Motino, who has been playing at an amazing level for over a decade. As a fellow midfielder, what do you like about his game? Well, I think Jao Mutino is a player we all know about. As you say, he's been going for 12 years, first in Portugal and now in England. He has great experience. He's won things and he's represented his country. I think he's so important for Wolves because he brings that stability that a team needs and manages the tempo of games. He's a very experienced player and he'll go down in the history of Portuguese football. Lastly, Danny, and this is an important one, Tell us about the decision to shave your hair off. Who did it? Did you do it yourself? Well, it started off as a bit of a joke with my girlfriend and my parents. I was like, I'm going to shave my head. They didn't believe I had it in me. I started doing it, but didn't realise I had the clippers basically on. I stopped for a minute, and then realised that there was no turning back, so ended up shaving it all off. At the end of the day, I don't think the new look suits me too badly. I still feel like me. I'm happy with it. Match action. Premier League, match day 9, 4.30pm, Sunday, November the 22nd, Allen Road. Leeds United versus Arsenal. Leeds, nil. Arsenal, nil. Match stats. Total shots, Leeds 25, Arsenal 9. Shots on target, Leeds 4, Arsenal 2. Corners, Leeds 5, Arsenal 3. Offsides, Leeds 0, Arsenal 2. Fouls, Leeds 9, Arsenal 8. Possession, Leeds 66%, Arsenal 34%. Playing for Leeds United were 1, Meslier, 10. Alioski, 6. Cooper, 5. Koch, 2. Ailing, substituted in the 70th minute, 23. Phillips, 15. Dallas, 43. Klitsch, 18. Rafinha, 9. Bamford, 22. Harrison, substituted in the 80th minute. Substitutes were Garcia, Struich, Poveda, who came on in the 80th minute, Helder, Costa, Rodrigo, who came on in the 70th minute, Davis, Roberts. Playing for Arsenal were 1, Leno, 2, Bellerin, 16, Holding, 6, Gabriel, 3, Tierney, 34, Sharker, 8, Ceballos, 28, Willock, substituted in the 57th minute, Aubameyang, Pepe, Willian, who was substituted in the 46th minute. Substitutes were... Runason, Nelson, 
who came on in the 46th minute, Maitland-Niles, who came on in the 90th minute, Saka, who came on in the 57th minute and the 90th minute, Lacazette, and Kitia Mustafi. First half. An attacking reshuffle saw William and Nicolas Pepe both start, and we were collectively bright and tenacious in the early stages. Pepe inadvertently hit the crossbar with an attempt to cross from the left, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang slashed a shot high and wide on the turn after excellent work from Hector Bellerin. Leeds goalkeeper Ilian Meslier wasn't tested, but Ben Leno was. He had to save from Patrick Bamford twice, and chances also came and went for Rafinha, Stuart Dallas and Mateus Klitsch as Leeds started to get on top. Second half. Mikel Arteta brought on Rhys Nelson at half-time, but our game plan was undermined when Pepe was sent off by Anthony Taylor after an altercation with Ezgian Alioski. Leno made a wonderful one-handed save to keep out a Dallas shot and substitute Rodrigo crashed a shot off the crossbar. We looked set for a lead siege, but instead we opened up the home side on the break. One charge ended with an Aubameyang shot that was blocked by Liam Cooper's arm as the defender slid in. On this occasion, VAR was not called upon. Pukea Saka raced through moments later, but Meslier stood his ground to block the England international shot. Bamford headed against the post, and Rafinha hit the bar as Leeds continued to threaten. But we kept a valuable clean sheet. Convertible Currency Football historian John Sperling looks at the evolution of Arsenal's players' positions, past and present. Charlie Nicholas, whole new ball game. Before Charlie Nicholas joined Arsenal in the summer of 1983 for £650,000, Celtic manager Billy McNeil described him as the most exciting young player I've ever seen. After Charlie plundered 52 goals during the 1982-83 campaign for the Glasgow club. Opting against joining Liverpool, Manchester United or Tottenham, Nicholas described Arsenal as the team of the future. On his debut at Highbury against Luton Town in August, Nicholas flicked the ball around well, and goals from Tony Woodcock and Brian McDermott steered Arsenal to a 2-1 victory in front of a much-improved 39,348 crowd, the vast majority of whom were there to see him make his Highbury bow. The collective hysteria from Gunners fans that greeted his every move would have given Duran Duran a run for their money. Away at Wolves two days later, Nicholas scored both goals in another 2-1 Arsenal win, and Desmond Lynham rounded off grandstand by telling BBC viewers, Arsenal are top of the league, thanks to that man, Charlie Nicholas. It seemed that nothing could go wrong. I'm hoping that I can just continue the form I showed last season in Scotland, he explained. But Nicholas failed to live up to his star billing and the goals dried up. There was an ongoing problem in that first season with his ankle. Surgery was required, but Arsenal were reluctant to sanction it because they needed their star turn on the pitch. By his own admission, Nicholas wasn't the quickest of forwards and struggled when defenders clung like limpets to him. Terry Neal and coach Don Howe never quite seemed to know what his best position was. 
Don Howe, who replaced Neil as manager after the latter had been fired at Christmas 83, began playing Nicholas in the hole-behind-a-front pairing of Tony Woodcock and Raphael Mead. Howe justified his decision by saying that Nicholas and Woodcock were too similar, and that Mead would hustle better against tough British defenders. The early signs were promising, with some lovely approach work from the Scot in Arsenal's 3-1 home win against Watford on December 17th, in which Mead netted a hat-trick. On Boxing Day, with Nicholas given freedom to roam at White Hart Lane, Arsenal won the North London Derby 4-2, with the Scot netting twice, and setting up Mead for a fourth. In the new year, the arrival of target man Paul Mariner from Ipswich appeared to confirm that Nicholas would remain in the hole for the foreseeable future. At the start of the following season, in a glorious late summer purple patch, Nicholas tucked behind Woodcock and Mariner, flourishing as Arsenal surged to the top of the league. At Vicarage Road, he turned scorer and provider, displaying a full repertoire of feints and chip balls for his teammates as the Gunners won 4-3. He also ran riot at Filbert Street in a 4-1 win against Leicester City and turned Sunderland defender Nick Pickering inside out at Highbury as Arsenal defeated Sunderland 3-2. Former Gunners defender David O'Leary recalled, For six weeks or so, Charlie looked like the player we wanted him to be. But, like the team's form, Nicholas's stellar displays petered out when the clocks went back in late October, and by the following season, with Paul Mariner injured, Nicholas was slotted back in up front as Howe's Arsenal continued to splutter. He remained up front after George Graham took over at Highbury in May 1986, but despite scoring both Arsenal goals in the 1987 Littlewoods Cup final at Wembley, Graham jettisoned the Scot a few months later. Despite occasionally flourishing both as a striker and in a more withdrawn role, Charlie Nicholas sadly failed to prosper in either position in the long term. Jimmy Robertson earned his wings. Despite being heavily right-footed, the leggy Scottish winger could function effectively on either flank, and did so after Bertie Mee signed him from Tottenham in October 1968. As Arsenal began to emerge from the shadows in the late 60s, Robertson proved to be highly adept in storming past his marker and crossing deep to the far post, where John Radford or George Graham would often be waiting never better illustrated than against Sporting Lisbon in the 1969-70 Fairs Cup competition, when Robertson's pinpoint cross was headed home by Graham. But on a handful of occasions he also switched flanks, because as he later reflected, I was desperate to play. His flexibility convinced sections of the crowd who had been unforgiving towards the former Spurs man to warm to him more as Arsenal marched on in Europe. The arrival of winger Peter Marinello in January 1970 signalled the end of Robertson's Arsenal career, and he joined Ipswich a few weeks later. Community Premier League Women and Girls Programme Last season saw the launch of a new exciting partnership for our Premier League Girls Kicks Programme. 14 professional football clubs in London received additional funding from the London Marathon Charitable Trust to develop their programme further and engage girls aged 8 to 17 that may not be taking part in sport. 
Through this programme, we also work closely with the Brandon Centre, an organisation that provides free professional support to young people focusing on sexual health, mental health and general well-being. A well-being worker from the Brandon Centre supports the delivery of each session and are well-placed to offer additional support to any young people who may be experiencing challenges, such as increases in anxiety around lockdown or difficulties transitioning from primary to secondary school. The girls are split into appropriate age groups to ensure that the activities are appropriate and as beneficial as possible. Although 2020 has been a challenging year for all, by providing them with regular positive activities at home, as well as football sessions in the community when government guidelines have permitted us to do so. We have been delivering weekly virtual sessions which have involved a mixture of fun activities such as quizzes and competitions, as well as fitness exercises and basic ball skills that can be done within the home setting. In September, we were able to resume our regular football sessions with the girls at a local facility. It was fantastic to have the girls get together, and they were delighted to be back on the pitch. We know how important sport can be for both the physical and mental health of young people. During the October half-term, we were able to organise a half-day of internal matches where girls came together to play against one another. Having missed so much this year, it was brilliant to be able to organise something enjoyable for the girls during the holiday period. Thank you to the London Marathon Trust, Premier League Charitable Fund and the Brandon Centre for their support. Getting their kicks As you can see from the pictures in the hard copy, Girls Cakes participants recently met movie director and music artist Rapman plus BAFTA Rising Star Award winner Michael Ward and actor Stephen Odebola. It was a fantastic experience for all girls who have also been kept busy with virtual sessions in these most unusual times. The three photographs with this report have the captions It was great to have the girls back in action over the October half-term. Football sessions will resume when government guidelines permit. Arsenal women's Manuela Zinsberger coaches the girls. Developing strong young gunners. In this issue, young gun, Brooke Norton Cuffey. Match reports, two wins for the under-18s. News, Amari signs pro deal. Remember... Steve Ball and Stats Young Gun, Brooke Northern Cuffey speaking to Aidan Small Born Hammersmith, 12th of January 2001 Joined Arsenal under 10s Height and weight, 5'11", 74 kilos Position, right back The past two months have been crazy to go from playing under-16s football to making my debut in the under-23s in such a short period of time is just unbelievable. And I'm so grateful for the opportunities that have been handed to me. It's a really exciting time in my life because this is what I've been training for so many years to do. And now I want to see what I can really achieve at this club. 
I got my scholar over the summer and I went on to pre-season tour with the under-18s as an under-16. I played all right in my own standard. I think I can do better. So I was hoping to get a chance with the under-18s at some stage this season, but I didn't expect it to happen so fast. I've been training really hard over the summer because in football you never quite know when the opportunity is going to present itself. So when Ken Gillard told me that I'd be making my debut for the under-18s, I was so happy. I can't lie, I was nervous at the start, because it was my first ever Academy Premier League game. But the coaches told me to stay calm, go out there and just play my usual game. I've obviously been playing in the Academy Leagues for years now, but when it starts to become even more competitive, you can really feel that in a game straight away. I noticed, and I couldn't really take as many touches as I normally can, you need to keep the ball moving fast, and whenever you take more than two touches, you need to be ready for a challenge from any direction. It was a really valuable experience, but less than three weeks later, I was given an even bigger opportunity as a right back. I knew that Raya Mabsalu and Daniel Atidigo were ahead of me in the pecking order at the academy. They're both very good players, but after they picked up injuries, I couldn't help but start to wonder... Who's going to fill those gaps for the under-18s and the under-23s? I was a natural fit in terms of position, but I only turned 16 in January and I made my under-18s debut in the start of October. Back in the summer, I was hoping that I could train with the under-23s by the end of the season. But on Wednesday, before we faced Liverpool in the Premier League 2, Ken told me that I'd be training with the under-23s ahead of the game on Friday. At first, I thought it would just be a training session. So I thought, all right, yeah, let's train hard, impress Steve Bold, see what happens. But on the Thursday, I heard that I might be starting against Liverpool. I couldn't believe it. Again, if I'm being completely honest, I was nervous before the game. And even the night before, they're one of the best teams in the league, Liverpool. But when I finally got out there, it just felt like another game, only quite a bit quicker. All but Garatz has also made his debut that day, and we kind of worked together to calm our nerves. We were just taking it back and forth because he's a good mate of mine, and we always take each other's minds away from the game. When we're both in the same boat, and I, I really think that that helps. From the side of things, I'm really happy with how I performed, and I dealt with the physically off the Premier League 2 football, but it didn't drop deep enough to receive the ball. We looked at the week and we noticed that to open my body so I could play forward quicker at the under-18 level, I could often get away with that because I'm physically stronger and quicker than a lot of players. But when I'm in the under-23s, I'm playing against men and they'll punish you for the smallest mistake. I think I corrected that for our 6-0 win over Blackburn. I can't thank Steve Bold enough for the opportunities that he's given me and I want to repay that faith by continuing to perform on the pitch, whether that's with the under-18s or the under-23s. It's a nice feeling knowing that you're trusted more to take a step and now I'm hungry for more. Rate yourself. Speed, 91. Shooting, 80. Dribbling, 84. Passing, 85. Strength, 92. Brooke Norton Cuffey, the lowdown. Earliest football memory? Going to watch my brother's games when I was a kid. Got me into football, my brother and my dad. First footballer you looked up to, Didier Drogba. Favourite football shirt, Real Madrid, 2015-16 season. Team you supported as a child, Manchester United. Best goal of all time, 
Cristiano Ronaldo v Porto, 2008. Best goal you've scored? Solo against Brighton under 12s. Best player I've faced? Jamie Bone Gittins of Brushnia Dortmund. Best game you've had? Tottenham under 13. We won 4 1 and I scored a hat trick. Best piece of skill seen in the game? Two step overs, Ronaldo chop, and I beat the defender. Then I whipped it across for an assist against Norwich. Best moment of your career so far? Scoring in my England debut. One stadium you'd like to score in? The Bowen Bell. One type of goal you'd like to score? A scorpion kick. Best training tip you've ever had? Play with freedom. Another sport you're good at? Basketball. The important non-playing attributes for young footballers. Humility and determination. Me. Favourite player, Cristiano Ronaldo. Favourite follow on Instagram, Loro17. Most played Spotify artist, Little Baby. Best football attribute, Crossing. Favourite pre-match song, The Art of War, Abracadabra. Favourite musician, Polo G. The Need on Away Days, Headphones. First team player I look up to, Saka. You may not know, but I'm an ex-basketballer. Academy Match Reports Premier League 2 Friday, November 6 County Ground, Leyland Blackburn Rovers, nil, Arsenal, 6 County Ground, while Joe Adir made his first appearance since joining us from Ajax in the summer Blackburn, who named 36 Stuart Downing amongst their substitutes started strongly, came close early enough through Conor McBride but that didn't dent our confidence and following some fine footwork and attacking play from Balogun Mollier was on hand to finish at the far post. Shortly after the restart, Catelyn Saran fired a stunning effort into the top right corner, latching onto Mollier's instinctive backhanded assist before Balogun pounced on for a defensive error and squared to Smith-Rowe's for a simple finish. Smith-Rowe went on to double his tally just moments later arriving late at the far post to meet Brooke Norton's cuffly delivery to fire past Antonia Sagakis. Joel Lopez then created our fifth of the evening with a searching pass across the face of goal. Dan Pike to inadvertently put the ball in his own net before Mullia scored his second deep into second time. The Swedish international wreaked havoc on the Rovers' defence all evening and rounded off the scoring with a competitive finish in the bottom corner. That was our biggest win at this level since the reserves beat Crystal Palace 7-0 in December 1999. Match report, Papa John's Trophy, Tuesday, November 10th, Priestland Stadium. Gillingham 1, Arsenal 1. Callum Chambers played 45 minutes on his return from an injury under under-21s beat Gillingham on penalties to seal their place in the knockout stage of the Papa John's Trophy. The England international been on the sidelines since rupturing his critical ligament on his left knee against Chelsea back in December, but he looked assured on his return to action, making a number of vital challenges. Chambers partnered William Sabat in the heart of defence, whilst Emil Rowe-Smith also featured the Preston Stadium. Meanwhile, the host fielded an on-loan gunner, Zach Medley and Trey Coy. We made a fine start when the game was on with just six minutes on the clock, Caitlin put us in front after preying on the defensive error. Salabada started the move from deep, stepping into midfield and playing Joe Lopez through down the left flank, who floated invitingly delivery into the penalty area from Saran to poke home. 
following Balogun he then had a goal disallowed for offside in a lively first half but after the recent restart Gillingham equalised through Coyle. Alex McDonald delivered a cross to the back post and Coyle was on hand to finish with a first time effort on his weaker left foot. Shortly after Smithrow fired wide at the end of two promising counter-attacks before an on-loan Arsenal man was on target again for the home side. Shortly after, only to have his strike chalked off, Matt McKay had to be alerted to deny Cole once more in the closing stages. But with the game deadlocked at the final whistle, both sides received a point and the match went to a shootout. Balogun, Mollier, Ben Cottrell all scored from the spot for us and with the host missing twice... Saran secured the victory by slotting home a paqueta. A total of 32 clubs were involved in round two of the competition, with the draw split into northern and southern sides. The winner of each group will be drawn at home, and we'll be played a running up from the group from the same region, but not from the same group they compared with in round one. To ensure these conditions are met, the northern and southern draws will be split into two separate draws, draw A and draw B. Round two matches will be played week commencing December the 7th. Arsenal win 4-2 on penalties. Academy news. Amari signs on. Amari Hutchinson has signed his first professional contract. The 17-year-old joined us at the age of 11 and has progressed through the academy age groups. The winger and attacking midfielder Amari is known for his technical ability, passing and his speed. He is featured regularly for our under-18s this season, providing five assists in seven league appearances. And last month he was involved in the Europa League B-list, the rule that enables three academy players born after 1999 to be eligible to be part of our first-team UEFA's Europa League squad. The young midfielder played for England at under-17 level last season and has since trained with the under-18s. We'd like to congratulate Amari on his first professional contract and look forward to supporting him in his continued development. Up for the Cup Our under-17s kicked off the Premier League Cup campaign with a 3-2 win over Norwich City last month. Ken Gilliard sides found them trailing by two goals to nil at the break, following goals from Ken Uber and Alex Matos, but came out fighting in the second half to complete a dramatic comeback. First half, Jack French reduced the deficit with a cool finish inside the parenting area before Omari Hutchinson scored direct with a corner. We continued to dominate the game, and just seconds remaining, we pushed forward for one last attack. And... Kieran Edwards was on hand to convert Caitlin Cutback. It's worth noting that goalkeeper Remy Mitchell made his first start appearance of the season and made a number of fine saves, whilst Charlie Sago Jr. also started. Keep going, lads. We're right behind you. Arsenal Academy support anti-bullying week. Our youth team showed their support with Anti-Bullying Week on Monday, November the 15th, as they wore odd socks to their game against Tottenham Hotspur. Odd Sock Day is an opportunity to encourage people to express themselves and to celebrate their individuality and what makes us all unique. This week has the theme, United Arsenal Bullying, and our under-9s and under-14s were proud to show their support in the North London derby. FA Youth Cup opponents confirmed. Our under-18s are set to face Rotherham United in the third round of the FA Youth Cup. 
This round of the competition sees the introduction of the EFL Champion and Premiership League teams and Ken Gillard's side will be keen to improve on last season's quarter-final finish. The game will be played at Assel New York Stadium on Tuesday, December the 15th with a 7pm kickoff. To be eligible for this year's competitions, players must have been born between September the 1st, 2002 and before September the 1st, 2005. Academy Alumni Catching up with former Arsenal Academy players as they continue their pro careers away from the Emirates. Steve Ball With the youth team preparing to embark on the club's 67th campaign in the FA Youth Cup, followers of Arsenal youth team may have noticed a member of our triumphant vintage of 1988 making very progress in the world of management. Steve Ball played six times in the Triumphant Youth Cup in the run for 87-88, scoring three times, including in the first leg of the final, when the 5-0 win over Doncaster Rovers, effectively securing the cup for the Gunners. The second leg ended 1-1 at Highbury. Playing alongside the likes of David Hillier, Kevin Campbell, Steve Morrow, Neil Hennessy, Ball was a highly rated midfielder, but ultimately with an ankle ligament injury, prevented him from breaking into the first team and he headed for the hometown club of Colchester United where he enjoyed students as well as playing for Norwich City and Cambridge United as a 10-year playing career. Moving into management, Ball moved through the non-league ranks of Stanway Rovers, Clacton Town, Leeson and Malden and Tiptree before joining the Colchester coaching team in 2016. He was named manager in July this year at the time of winning Ball's U's are impressing the League 2 in 7th position and have won 5 of their last 8 games. Arsenal Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. Continental League Cup, Meadow Park, Wednesday, November the 8th. Arsenal 2 Midema 11, Ford 71, Tottenham Hotspur 2, Percival 59, Zdorsky 88, Arsenal 1, 5-4 on penalties. Arsenal team, Williams, Meyer, BT 67, Williamson, Wuben Moy, McCabe, Walty, Ruud, Mace 81, Little, Evans 46, Van der Donk, Midema, Mead 74. Ford, subs not used. Sinsberger, Garrard, Pierce, Good. It was a game of mixed emotions in the FA Continental League Cup on Wednesday, as we secured a dramatic 5-4 penalty win over Tottenham Hotspur after drawing 2-2 in 90 minutes. The result saw us claim a bonus point and bragging rights over our North London rivals, but it also saw our journey in the competition come to a frustrating end. Leah Walty and Leah Williamson impressed on their 50th and 150th games for the club respectively, while Lydia Williams produced a number of vital saves on her debut. We'd beaten Tottenham twice already at Meadow Park this season, and once again we wasted no time in asserting our dominance. Pressing high up the field with Katie McCabe and Leonie Meyer as attacking wing-backs, we forced the visitors to retreat and duly opened the scoring inside 11 minutes. Kim Little was surrounded, but kept her cool and played a scoot pass over Tottenham's defence for Vivian Midema to find the bottom corner. 
Danielle van der Donk then had a fine chance to double our advantage, heading Katie McCabe's delivery wide at the far post, before a heavy touch from Caitlin Ford let her down inside the penalty area. We dominated the opening 45 minutes, but with the introduction of Alex Morgan at half-time, Tottenham forced their way back into the game and equalised on the hour mark. Rhea Percival was played through on goal and controlled the ball on her chest, before finishing coolly past Williams. We fought back and eventually restored our lead through Caitlin Foote, who finished Leah Williamson's inviting delivery at the far post. But there would be one last twist to the tail. With less than two minutes remaining, we found ourselves under pressure and failed to clear our lines, creating a goal-mouth scramble that saw Shalina Zadorsky send the game to penalties. McCabe, Lotta wuben Moy, Jennifer Beatty and Ford all scored from the spot for us. But Tottenham were also flawless, ensuring sudden death for the fifth round of penalties. Leah Walty remained unfazed, though, and made no mistake in finding the bottom corner, before Morgan fired high and wide, gifting us the win. However, the bonus point we earned was not enough to book progression from the group stage. Five years a gunner. On November 20th, Daniela van der Donk celebrated a special milestone at the club, five years as an Arsenal player. Daniela signed for us from Swedish side Gothenburg in 2015, having previously played in her homeland with PSV, VVV Venlo and Willem II, and her influence at the club has been immense over the last five years. Possessor of wonderful skills on the ball, but with an ultra-competitive edge, Remind you of anyone else from Holland you can think of? DVD has now played 125 times for the Gunners with a 1 in 3 score rate, 42 goals in all competitions. From our current squad, only Jordan Nobbs, Kim Little and Leah Williamson have played more times for the team than Dan. She won the FA Cup in 2016, Conti Cup in 2018 and league titles in 2018-19 stroke whilst at the club when she scored 11 goals and made 6 assists in 19 games and was undoubtedly one of the driving forces behind the title. Dan has also been part of a remarkably successful Holland side whilst a gunner, starring in their 2017 European Championships wins and run to the 2019 World Cup final. Thanks for your contribution so far, Daniela. You truly are a Dutch of class. 2020-2021 fixtures September the 6th, Reading, 6-1. September the 12th, West Ham United, 9-1. September 26th, Tottenham, FA Cup quarter-final, 4-0. October 1st, Man City, FA Cup semi-final, 1-2. October 4th, Bristol City, 3-1. October 7th, Chelsea, CC, 1-4. October 11th, Brighton and Hove Albion, 5-0. October 18th, Tottenham Hotspur, 6-1. November 4th, London City Lionesses, CC, 4-0. November 8th, Manchester United, 0-1. November 5th, Chelsea, 1-1. November 18th, Tottenham Hotspur, CC, 2-2. Arsenal won on penalties. December 6th, Birmingham City, home. December 13th, Manchester City, away. December 20th, Everton, home. January 9th, stroke 10th, Aston Villa, away. 
January 16th, stroke 17th, Reading, away. January 23rd, stroke 24, West Ham United, home. February 6th, stroke 7th, Manchester City, home. February 10th, 11th or 12th, Chelsea, away. March 6th, stroke 7th, Birmingham City, away. March 17th, stroke 18th, Manchester United, home. March 27th, stroke 28, Tottenham Hotspur, away. April 3rd, stroke 4th, Bristol City, away. April 24th, stroke 25th, Brighton and Hove Albion, home. May 1st, stroke 2nd, Everton, away. May 8th, stroke 9th, Aston Villa, home. Women's Super League at November 24th. Manchester United played 7, won 5, drawn 2, lost 0, 4-17 against 7, goal difference 10.17. Arsenal played 7, won 5, drawn 1, lost 1, 4-30 against 6, goal difference 24.16. Chelsea played 6, won 4, drawn 2, lost 0, 4-19 against 3, Goal difference 16, points 14. Everton played 7, won 4, drawn 2, lost 1, 4-17, against 8, goal difference 9, points 14. Manchester City played 7, won 3, drawn 3, lost 1, 4-18, against 8, goal difference 10, points 12. Birmingham City played 7, won 3, drawn 0, lost 4, 4-9 against 10, goal difference minus 1, points 9. Reading played 7, won 2, drawn 3, lost 2. 4-8 against 11, goal difference minus 3, points 9. Brighton and Hove Albion played 7, won 2, drawn 2, lost 3, 4-5 against 12, goal difference minus 7, points 8. West Ham United Played 7, won 1, drawn 1, lost 5, 4 7, against 20, goal difference minus 13, points 4. Aston Villa played 5, won 1, drawn 0, lost 4, 4 3, against 12, goal difference minus 9, points 3. Tottenham Hotspur played 7, won 0, drawn 3, lost 4, 4 6 against 16, goal difference minus 10, points 3. Bristol City played 6, 1 0, drawn 1, lost 5. 4 4 against 30, goal difference minus 26, points 1. Fourteen times. Fourteen goals for Arsenal. In August, we lifted the FA Cup for a record-extending 14th time. But it's not just our rich, illustrious history and football's oldest knockout competition that is synonymous with the number 14. A total of 516 players have scored at least once for the Arsenal first team of the 876 players to represent us in our history. Of those 516 scorers, these ten netted exactly 14 times. Frank Bradshaw, an England international forward who later reverted to fullback. 
Bradshaw scored his 14 goals from 132 league games for us, either side of World War I. He scored 10 in his debut season, 1914-15, helping us to promotion to Division I, but was then mainly used at full-back in the top flight. Marouane Shoak A Bosnian free signing from Bordeaux in August 2010, Moroccan striker Shemak scored 11 times in his debut season, including one in the North London derby. He also netted after 37 seconds against Wolves, our fastest Premier League goal at the time, while his last two goals came in a 7-5 League Cup win at Reading. He made 67 appearances. Billy Garbutt Nearly half, six, of Garbutt's goals came in the FA Cup in 1906 and 1907 when we reached the semi-finals for the first time. Indeed, one of his last goals for us was the first goal Arsenal had ever scored in an FA Cup semi-final, a 3-1 defeat to Sheffield Wednesday at St Andrews. Wally Harding, an inside forward, Harding's 14 goals came from 54 league games between 1913 and 1921, either side of World War I. An England football international, he also played a test match for England and later managed the Tottenham reserve team. Archie McGough, a Scottish centre-forward who played 39 times for us in the late 19th century. His tally of 14 goals included two hat-tricks and one brace. One goal came in the FA Cup in a 9-0 win over St Albans the others were all scored in Division 2. Alex Main, a Scottish inside forward, Main scored his 14 goals in 63 league games between 1899 and 1903. He scored twice in our all-time record victory, a 12-0 win over Loughborough Town on March the 12th, 1900. David O'Leary, the man who made more appearances for the club than anyone else finished his Gunners career with 14 goals from his 722 games. A Republic of Ireland international defender, O'Leary joined as an apprentice aged 15 and was a mainstay in the team between 1975 and 1993, winning two league titles. One of his 14 goals came on the day he broke the Arsenal appearance record in 1989. Stephen Stonley, a centre-forward whose first goal for the club was also the last we ever scored in the Manor ground, our home before we moved to Highbury in 1913. His other 13 goals came in the 1913-14 Division I season, our first at Highbury, scoring for us as we finished third. He played 38 league games before joining Brentford. Colatoure, a member of the 2003-04 Invincibles, Toure began life as a utility player before becoming one of the best central defenders in Europe. His 14 goals came from 326 appearances across seven seasons, including our last ever European goal at Highbury in the 1-0 win over Villarreal that booked our place in the 2006 Champions League final. Jack Wilshire, a product of the Arsenal youth system, Wilshire's 14 goals came from 157 games between 2008 and 2018. Although he was not as prolific for the first team as he was in the youth sides, 
the midfielder twice won the BBC Goal of the Season award for his goals against Norwich in 2013-14 and West Brom the following season. Photographs of all of these players are in the hard copy of the programme. Forward Arsenal. Arsenal Football Club prides itself on always looking forward, so we're asking our players to gaze into the future to see what's on the horizon. This week, we speak to Cedric Suris. How much do you plan your week ahead? Do you know what you'll be doing every day in training? Normally, we receive a scheduled calendar. Sometimes it's one or two weeks ahead, sometimes for longer. So you know more or less a few days of training, what time you need to be there, what days you'll have off, what time you need to report to match days. Of course, we don't know exactly what we'll be doing in the training sessions. We're just told the times. But normally, they're just to explain that quite quickly before the session. Basically, each day can be different. When we are not in lockdown, what do you like to do when you have a day off? Do you usually plan anything special? We're in London, so I've got lots of options. Normally, I'd like to go for dinner the night before or even on the day. Maybe go shopping, but usually I will spend the day here in London. If you have two or three days off, then it's different, and you can normally try and plan a break somewhere, maybe. So I can do something a little bit more special, travel somewhere, book a hotel. But normally it's a day off. Normally I spend that with family and friends. In a dream world, what would your next meal be? Some typical Portuguese food. A new car? Oh, I would like a Ferrari. Holiday destination? The Maldives, I've never been there and I want to see it. Trophy you'd like to win? The Premier League. New teammate? Cristiano Ronaldo. Are you someone who likes to have a full schedule all the time or you have a lot going on? I would like to say I like to have a bit of a mix. I know when I need to recover, I know when I need to stay at home. My wife cooks a lot as well, but it would be not unusual for us to go out about twice a week for dinner. But yeah, I like to keep busy. I don't want to have to keep boring life, so I like to go out for a coffee with friends. I like to do things away from football too. It is important to rest as well, but I know my body and I know what I need. How far do you look into the fixtures list? I know what the next two or three games are maximum, but I don't like to look too far away. I have to keep your focus. I'm not the sort of person that likes to look too far ahead because as soon as you learn that in football, you can't plan that far ahead. Football is so good because you just don't know what will happen. That's why I've learned to focus on the next game, the next game all the time. So as soon as one game finishes, you normally have one day either to commiserate or celebrate. Then after that, you start to focus on the next one. Football is so quick. One day you're up, the next day you could be losing. It's different with other sports like that. In the Olympics, you have four years to plan for something, but things change every week in football. Do you keep a regular routine? Yes. Before every game, I do the same thing. Two days before the game, I'll be doing some kind of recovery training. Food is very important throughout the week, and at times you need that rest. That's why you need to have a schedule so you can work towards the next game. Then on the day of the game... You can do things like you can do all the same time. So you can be relaxed and keep a constant level. What would you like to be doing in five years' time? I would like to be able to still be playing football because that's what I love to do. I hope I'm still doing that here at Arsenal because I feel that we are going to be very successful. I can feel it. 
And have you ever thought about what you would like to do when you finish your playing career? Sometimes I think about this. I like football a lot, so I would try and do my coaching badges. I want to leave all the possibilities open at the moment, but I will study for my badges in case I want to do that. But I like football a lot, and in this world I grow up in, I know it's the world I can think I can give something back and I can help grow. Yeah, 100% I like to stay in football. I haven't stayed the qualifications yet. My main focus is still playing, but it's for the future. What would you be interested in media work to? Depends. I'd never say no to anything, and I'm always open to different work. So I don't know, but whatever I do, I want to feel good about it, and I want to feel like before that I belong there. I'm not the kind of person who takes a little bit of everything. Is there something you'd like to do when you finish playing that you can't do now? I want to travel. Right now, whenever we have a holiday, there's always a countdown until you have to go home because you know that there's another game. There's always seems so short because you have to be thinking about football. As I said, I love football and I'm not complaining. But when I'm away, I feel very excited and looking forward to the next game. But what I mean is, after my career, I'll be able to travel, see places without the thought of my head and spend longer in the places I want to visit. And where would you like to travel? I have a few places in mind. I've never been to Asia, so I'd like to explore there. Europe I know quite well, and I've seen some of America. But it's huge, so I want to know more. I want to go to South America. I don't really know that that well. I've seen Colombia, really. So everywhere around the world, basically, and I can do it without any stress. And finally, you are told that there are two spaces on the International Space Station. Do you go, and who do you take with you? Yes, I would like to go, and I would take my wife with me. The Arsenal Foundation, The Felix Project, My Story. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation's Emergency Covid Fund has helped the Felix Project, a London-based charity that redistributes good, edible surplus food to people struggling to afford to feed themselves and their families. Volunteer driver Colin Sim, 62, tells us how the money is helping. I'm from the Scottish borders, but now live in Holloway, within cheering distance of the ground. I retired two years ago after a career in special education, and the plan was to visit all the places in London I never had time for. Obviously it hasn't worked out like that. I was involved in charity funding work in my job, and I started at the Felix Project because my niece volunteers in the Park Royal Depot. She told me they were looking for volunteer drivers. I hate the idea of food being wasted, so it seemed like a natural thing to help with. That was in February. I do every Monday plus another day later in the week if I can. The Felix Project has rescued more than 6,000 tonnes of good edible surplus food this year. That's enough for more than 14 million meals to help hundreds of thousands of vulnerable people across London. Last year, Felix shifted enough food to make 6.4 million meals. This year, we're on track to hit 20 million. The charity is having a huge impact in London, but it's only scratching the surface of an enormous crisis. We need to do more. Without question, demand has increased since the first Covid lockdown, in some cases by 400%. A school in Hammersmith told us families that never needed support 
are now having to queue for Felix food. Rhythms of Life, a homeless charity giving out hot meals in Trafalgar Square, is serving twice as many people as before. A community centre near Grenfell Tower told us residents queue from 9am, even though they only start giving out food at 3pm. This is only the tip of the iceberg, and that's why Felix have approved a three-year plan to deliver 100 million meals a year by the end of 2024. Felix Food helps all kinds of people. Whether they have lost their jobs or are on low incomes, people who are sick, key workers struggling to find food, older people who are isolated, the homeless, survivors of domestic abuse and refugees. Felix Food provides more than a meal. It means comfort and companionship. It means peace of mind. It means good health. It means security. The best moments for me are the obvious ones, when you see people genuinely grateful for food and the difference it makes to them. The grant from the Arsenal Foundation enabled us to provide around 15,250 meals to vulnerable people in Camden, Hackney and Islington. As a gooner myself, I think it's fantastic that Arsenal are involved with Felix and us volunteers know how much it is appreciated on the ground. For more info, visit thefelixproject.org. The Visitors, Wolverhampton Wanderers Formed 1877, nickname Wolves, The Wanderers Stadium, Molyneux, 32,050 Honours, First Division, Premier League winners 1934 to 35, 1957-58, 1958-59. 2nd Division Championship winners 1931 to 32, 1976-77, 2008-9, 2017-18. 3rd Division League 1 winners 1923-24 North, 2013-14, 4th Division League 2 winners 1987-88, FA Cup winners 1893-1908-1949-1960, League Cup winners 1974-1980, UEFA Cup runners-up 1972, Football League Trophy 1988, Texaco Cup winners 1971, FA Community Shield winners 1949-1954-1959-1960 Owners, Fosen International Chairman, Jeff Shee Social followers, Twitter, 705k Instagram, 1.5 million Facebook, 1.96 million Compared to the jam-packed fixed schedule of last season when their extended involvement in the UEFA Europa League eventually spread over more than 12 months, Wolverhampton Wanderers are enjoying a relatively sedate 2020-21 campaign. This is only their 11th fixture, whereas on their last visit to Arsenal in November 2019, they had already run up double that number. Indeed, this is only their third outing this month the first two having brought a 1-0 defeat at Leicester City and a 1-1 draw against Southampton last Monday night at Molyneux. That result six days ago meant that Wolves came into this weekend placed ninth in the Premier League table, one point and three places above Arsenal. Their ambition, 
as it has been in each of the three seasons they have enjoyed in the top flight since they won the championship in 2017-18, is to qualify for Europe, perhaps even to make the top four. What appears crystal clear is that they will not be leaving the Premier League any time soon. In each of the past two seasons since promotion, Nuno Espirito Santo's well-drilled side finished seventh. In 2018-19, that earned them a return to Europe after a 38-year absence with a place in the qualifying phase of the Europa League. Last season, they would have been handed the same reward, but for Arsenal's victory in the FA Cup, which meant that the Gunners qualified for the competition's group stage along with fifth-placed Leicester, while sixth-place Spurs dropped into the second qualifying round, leaving Wolves out of Europe altogether. Wolves may feel that they owe Arsenal one after that disappointing conclusion to what was another highly productive season, highlighted by the double they managed against Manchester City, winning 2-0 away and 3-2 at home. In fact, Nuno's men improved their overall points tally from 57 in 2018-19 to to 59 last season, despite the distraction of a European campaign that began in the second qualifying round in late July 2019 and ended in the quarter-finals in August 2020 with a 1-0 defeat by eventual winners Sevilla. Wolves' European adventure lasted all of 17 matches and included a round of 16 victory against Arsenal's round of 32 conquerors Olympiakos. A 1-1 away draw in March followed several Covid-delayed months later by a second-leg 1-0 win at Molyneux. Knocked out early of both domestic cups last term, Wolves were eliminated on entry in the season's Carabao Cup, losing 1-0 in the second round at home to Stoke, which has enabled them to train their focus even more firmly on the Premier League. Their four away fixtures so far have brought mixed fortunes. Two wins, 2-0 at Sheffield United, 1-0 at Leeds, and two defeats, 0-4 at West Ham, 0-1 at Leicester. With 1-1 draws at Emirates Stadium in each of the past two seasons, the question is which way, if any, that balance will tip for Wolves this evening. Mutual admiration Arsenal broke the British transfer record when they signed at Bryn Jones from Wolves on August the 4th, 1938. The figure of £14,500 for the Welsh inside forward was so large Questions were asked in the House of Parliament about whether it was morally right for a football club to be splashing so much cash, not long after the Depression, and with war looming. To be fair to the Gunners, Jones really was a stellar talent, and had scored 52 goals in 163 appearances at Molyneux, and there was much excitement at Highbury about his arrival. However, Jones, who had four brothers, who all played professional football, Shoney Ivor, Emlyn and Bert, failed to live up to the big billing, despite making the perfect start when he scored in three of his four matches, including his debut against Portsmouth. Being bought to replace the legendary Alex James weighed heavily on his slim shoulders, and his best years were also taken by the war. In all, he played 76 games for Arsenal, scoring just seven goals before he retired on doctor's advice in 1950 to run a newsagent in Stoke Newington. 
It's hard to imagine a similar fate befalling a British transfer record now. Scouting report by Michael Cox Since Wolverhampton Wanderers' promotion at the start of 2018-19, Nuno Espirito Santu had remained resolutely committed to a three-man defence until Monday night. For the home fixture against Southampton, Nuno responded to the absence of captain Connor Cody by naming a four-man defence for the first time. There was also further intrigue with the use of left-footed Max Kilman to the right of the centre-back duo and right-footed Willie Bolly to the left, although Nuno's tactical experiment clearly didn't go as planned and they reverted to their more natural side at half-time. Cody should be back this weekend, though, and therefore Nuno's tactical decision is likely to be his usual one about whether to use 3-4-3 or 3-5-2. This season, he's often managed to switch between the formations smoothly. Pedro Neto, one of nine Portuguese players who has appeared for Wolves this season, has proved capable of playing either as a third forward in the 3-4-3 or a fifth midfielder in the 3-5-2. Nuna has spoken about the value of him dropping a line and fitting in as an extra midfielder. Therefore, it won't be entirely obvious which formation Wolves are playing here, even after the starting lineup is released. Either way, however, Nuno's side are likely to play on the counter-attack, with Neto playing an important role. His link play with Daniel Pedenci, who usually plays to the left, and centre-forward Raul Jimenez has often been tremendous this season. Their combination play on the break for the second goal in a 2-0 victory over Crystal Palace was particularly impressive. Jimenez continues to lead the line very effectively, and is at his best when runners particularly Podenci, sprints in behind him. Podenci particularly likes cutting in from the left and bending the ball to the far corner. In deeper positions, Wolves are familiar from previous campaigns, although in recent weeks the usual partnership of Ruben Neves and João Montinho has been broken up to allow Leandro Dondoca, who previously had been used as a third midfielder alongside the two Portuguese players, to play in a partnership with Neves. He's given licence to push forward into goal-scoring positions with late runs, while Neves sits deep and sprays passes out wide before sporadically providing a threat with long-range shots. On the right, Nelson Semedo was recruited from Barcelona to replace Tottenham-bound Matt Doherty, while the left flank is proving Nuno's biggest question mark. An injury to Johnny means Brazilian newcomer Marcel young Frenchman Ryan A. Nouri and utility defender Roman Seiss have all been used at left-wing back. Nuno likes to keep a settled side when possible, although he has a couple of useful reserves. The ultra-speedy Adama Traore has reverted to being a super-sub, often used up front late on when Wolves are sitting back and playing on the counter-attack, although he can also be used at right-wing back. Young Portuguese striker Fabio Silva has also only been witnessed from the bench after his £35 million move from Porto. Premier League, match day 8, 7.15pm kickoff, Sunday, Emirates Stadium. 
Arsenal nil, Aston Villa three. First half. It looked as though we had fallen behind in just the opening minute when John McGinn lashed home into the top corner from inside the area. However, the goal was ruled out by a subsequent VAR check. Ross Barkley was obstructing Benny Leno's view of the offside position. We don't make the most of the reprieve though, because Willian came close to us when he blazed over after a good work from Thomas Partey and Aubameyang. It was the visitors who broke the deadlock though. Matt Target swept the ball across the face of goal while Bakay Sanger turned it into his own net. We could have equalised almost instantly, but Lacazette headed over from Kieran Tierney's excellent cross. In the second half, Partley was taken off at half-time and Nicolas Pepe and Eddie Nikit were soon thrown into the fray with the former coming close with a fine curling effort. Villa continued to look strong though and were a good value for their second goal when it finally came. Douglas Louise found Barkley at the fair post and he volleyed cross was turned in by Ollie Watkins. The Villa striker then made it three moments later to compound a miserable night for us at the Emirates Stadium. Match stats. Total shots, Arsenal 13, Aston Villa 15. Shots on target, Arsenal 2, Aston Villa 6. Corners, Arsenal 3, Aston Villa 8. Offsides, Arsenal 1, Aston Villa 1. Fouls, Arsenal 11, Aston Villa 13. Possession, 59% Arsenal, 41% Aston Villa. Your Arsenal team were Leno, Bellerin, Holding, Gabriel, Tierney, Saka, Elney, Partey, Willian, Lacazette, Aubameyang. Substitutes, Sabalas, Pepe, Maitland-Niles, David Louise, Zaka and Run Marston. My Arsenal. Name, Marcin Lis, Livin, Bolsvevo, Poland. Why are you an Arsenal fan? In 1998, I bought a kit with Bergkamp on the back, who was my hero, because it was an Arsenal kit. I thought this would be my favourite team. I now love learning about the history and everything else about the club and have now supported Arsenal for 22 years. First Arsenal game you attended. I was at Birmingham City on February 23, 2008. Drew 2-2. The first home game was against Juventus in the 2008 Emirates Cup. Favourite Arsenal game? I've got two. Birmingham City away on January 1, 2011, when we won 3-0. And Manchester City at Wembley in the 2014 Community Shield, when we also won 3-0. Favourite place to eat before a game? I like to have a takeaway on Avenel Road, sitting on the sidewalk opposite the front door of Highbury. Favourite place to hang out before kick-off? The Drayton Park Pub. What do you wear to games? Arsenal kit, jacket, scarf, hat, socks, from home to the airport, then by bus to London and back to the airport and home. Always red and white with the Arsenal badge. Whose name and number do you have on the back of your shirt? I had Burkamp and Henri, but they are now framed on the wall. The rest of my kits I've got without any names. Favourite ever Arsenal shirt? 
season 2008 stroke 9. Home and away shirts are my favourite. I've got three of each. All-time favourite player. Dennis Bergkamp. He was magic on the pitch. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see him live. But I hope I'll see him one day somewhere near the stadium. That's my dream. Who is your Arsenal cult hero? Theo Walcott. He scored two goals when I watched Arsenal live for the first time. Best goal you've seen live. Lucas Podolski scored from free kick against Southampton on September 15th, 2012. I was sitting just behind that goal. Best debut performance you've ever seen. Jack Wilshire against Blackburn away on September 13th, 2008. Have you ever met any Arsenal players? No, that's another one of my dreams. When we are back at the stadium, I hope to win someday the lucky number on the back of my matchday programme, so I can meet one. If you could watch Arsenal play any club side in history, who would it be and why? Lech Poznan, 2010-11, the last Polish team who played well in European Cups. And if you could play in any team in history, the last season at Highbury in the 2005-6 at right-back. Teams. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper 2. Hector Bellerin 3. Kieran Tierney 4. William Saliba 5. Socrates Papastathopoulos 6. Gabriel 7. Pukeo Saka 8. Danny Ceballos 9. Alexandre Lacazette 10. Mesut Ozil 12. William 13. Alex Runason, goalkeeper 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles 16. Rob Holding 17. Cedric Suarez 18. Thomas Partey 19. Nicolas Pepe 20. Schroeder Mustafi 21. Callum Chambers 22. Pablo Mori 23. David Lewis 24. Reese Nelson 25. Mohamed Elneny 28. Joe Willock 30. Eddie Nketiah 31. Zerd Kolasinac 32. Emil Smith-Rowe 33. Matt Macy, goalkeeper 34. Granite Sharka 35. Gabriel Martinelli 38. Follerin Balogun For Wolverhampton Wanderers Manager Nuno Espirito Santo Gold shirts with black trim, black shorts, gold socks 2. Kiana Hofer 3. Ryan Nuri 5. Marchal 7. Pedro Neto 8. Ruben Neves 9. Raul Jimenez 10. Daniel Padente 11. Rui Patricio, goalkeeper 15. Willy Bully 16. Connor Cody 17. Fabio Silva 19. Johnny 20. Vitinha 21. John Ruddy, goalkeeper 22. Nelson Semedo 27. Romain Seiss 28. Jean Montinho 32. Leander Dendonca 
37. Adama Traore 49. Max Kilman 59. Oscar Boer Match Officials Referee Michael Oliver Assistant Referees Stuart Burt Simon Bennett Fourth Official David Coote VAR Official Andre Mariner Additional VAR Official Sean Macielis Today's Other Fixtures Southampton vs Manchester United at 2pm Chelsea vs Tottenham Hotspur at 4.30pm The Arsenal Foundation Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Premier League. Official Premier League app. Manage your fantasy team and receive the latest Premier League updates. Free to download. Download on the App Store. Get it on Google Play. Available at Amazon. Credit goals? Count on the experts. You wouldn't have much to celebrate if one of our credit geeks was trying to score at football. But... When it comes to crunching the numbers, you can count on the MBNA team. Whether you're looking to squish existing balances together or just need a backup for when things get stretched, you'll find a great range of credit card options with us. Find out more at mbna.co.uk MBNA, official partner of Arsenal. Arsenal are home.
New 2020-21 Home Kit. On sale in store and online. Sky Sports. Watch it live. Feel it all. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.